This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Frank and Zack action figure, now with kung fu grip and crippling depression. You'll be amazed at how little they work. Only three easy payments of nine ninety five. If you could have found out that rosebud meant, I bet that would have explained everything. No, I don't think so. No. Mr. Kane was a man who got everything he wanted and then lost it. Maybe rosebud was something he couldn't get or something he lost. Anyway, it wouldn't have explained anything. I don't think any word can explain a man's life. No, I guess Rosebud is just a piece in a jigsaw puzzle. Missing piece. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that started their own small little newspaper company and then cheated on their wives. (laughs) I'm Zach. (laughs) And I'm... Chester. What's his name? <laughs> Charles. Charles. <laughs> kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, kind of. <laughs> kind of the same. A little more, a um, little more Brits and glamour to it. Yeah, then. yeah. Oh, wow. So what a uh, today we're doing Citizen Kane. By the way. Yeah. What a um. I'm kind of nervous. I don't know, like to talk about Citizen Kane. Why? Because Citizen Kane is literally said to be the greatest film ever made. By, yeah. like, the majority of people. Yeah. And I guess, like, it flopped, too, like, yeah, the first couple weeks. Yeah, it was a huge flop. Did not do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everybody came around and was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I don't know. Like, what are we going to say that hasn't already been said? <laughs> the yeah. only thing that we can basically bring to this table at this point is just our personal experiences with it. And the themes to it. Right. But, yeah. But <laughs> those have probably been said, too. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, honestly, the only thing is just... It's going to be, like, what what the movie, like, now represents to us. You've watching it for the first time. This is my second time watching mm-hmm. it. Uh, but, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so Citizen Kane came out in 1941, directed by Orson Welles, which, give him credit. 26 years old. He was 26. De- yeah, debut. Exactly. Like, it's, it's very hard to come across somebody that, like, at 26 makes a masterpiece, and it's their first film. But, anyways, Orson Welles plays Charles Foster Kane, the main character. You have William Allen, who plays Jerry Thompson, Joseph Cotton, who plays Jebediah Leland, Dorothy Cummingore, who plays Susan Alexander Kane, Angus Moorhead, who plays Mary Kane, George Calaris, who plays Mr. Thatcher, Everett Sloan, who plays Mr. Bernstein, and then Ruth Warwick, who plays Emily Monroe Norton Kane, um, which... I, I, I like too, like I don't know if you got it the same way. I like how the fact that they they did it where it's like at the very end it was like, hey, these are all of the people and this is like them like this is their first movie. Yeah, it was basically like, you know, not a lot of a lot the majority of the people in this movie are like brand new to cinema. Yeah. So let's highlight them and they and they gave them like their proper names and gave them a little like kind of ad reel thing. It was it was kinda nice. Yeah, yeah like a kind of little nod. Yeah. And if you don't know what Citizen Kane is, um I'm not reading the IMDB because like that's kind of it's a little wonky if you okay. read it. Um but basically this is telling the entire life of Charles Foster Kane and how he came to be and splicing in to today point where he has passed away and you have basically just jerry uh thompson going around trying to ask people that he knew what his last words meant which was rosebud and then you get like insight as to who he was and what his life was like yeah so it's basically just following his entire life story yeah so first time watching it general thoughts i don't have 
anything bad really to say about really? it. Like, like so. So here's the thing. It might be kind of like a Forrest Gump thing with me, where it's like you don't like Forrest Gump. I don't, <laughs> but I appreciate. Like, I understand that it's a good movie. Yeah. I I feel kind of like because I've sat with this now for 24 hours. I feel like this film is good. It's really really good. I wouldn't say it's the greatest movie ever made. Yeah. But I do feel like at the time of the 40s, this was the best movie ever made. Potentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I can see it. I agree. I have some issues with the film. I don't think I think that, I do not think that this is a flawless movie. No, I I don't think so either. And I do think that the reputation kind of precedes it a little bit mm-hmm. because, I mean, Citizen Kane is so iconic. Yes, and it is literally used as a reference point for other films. Like, people will say, yeah, that movie was good, but it was no Citizen Kane. (laughs) Or, this is the Citizen Kane Mm -hmm. of whatever genre. So, like, I get that, but... I know. I... I think it's a good movie. I guess I, I kind of fall in the same boat. Like, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a very good movie. I think that it's... It's made really, really well. Mm -hmm. I think it has some flaws, but overall, I mean, it's it's very impressive. I mean, at the end of the day, I think what it comes down to is that for the 40s, right? For 1941, mm-hmm. the camera work. It's great. It's it, amazing. It's too, you could honestly, I would say that you could arguably release this movie today mm-hmm. and it would still be very good. Yes. Because a lot of it, for the most part, still holds up. There isn't the, you know, like the hammy way that people talk in like old school films of... Of especially because it almost feels like it's going to be like a noir film mm-hmm. for for a little for a little bit like in that after you get through the um, the newspaper cycle and like his life uh, and like the ups and downs of his life and you go to the uh, the newsroom where all the guys are talking about his fame his last words it almost mm-hmm. feels like a noir film yeah uh, and like in those kind of nineteen forties nineteen thirties classic noirs they have like that way of talking that mm-hmm. is. That nobody in the real world ever speaks like. <laughs> Listen here, see? Yeah, exactly. And nobody talks like that. I don't think anybody ever spoke like that in reality. For mm-hmm. whatever reason, like actors and directors and writers were like, this is how you're going to talk. Yeah. But it's like, nobody ever spoke like that. I feel like The Vast of Night was like the closest thing where it's like, it's kind of like this, but it seems more realistic right. when we did that. Right, yeah. So the movie has something going for it where it is going... It, it has because obviously it's been you know sixty years or uh, more than that yeah ninety years right eighty nine mm-hmm. yeah ninety years mm-hmm. so we're we're coming up on uh you know a f- almost a hundred years and and it's aged like a fine wine yeah it, and it there's nothing besides like obvious things that you know made it part of the 1940s like things whatever like the types of clothes clothing mm-hmm. that they're wearing or obvious things like that um other than that though i mean you could basically release this movie today and from camera work to lighting uh and general just general movie things it holds up yeah i mean i i was even gonna say too like one of the things that i liked about this film is the way Orson Welles kind of got around exposition. Like, using the newspaper reels was actually a pretty genius idea for the time where it's like, hey, I don't want to dump everything about, like, the character of Kane immediately on you, but let me tell you everything through newspaper where it's like people are covering his story now that he's dead. I thought that was 
pretty interesting. Right, but they also he there is a pretty heavy expedition expedition um god <laughs> exposition <laughs> exposition dump mm-hmm. uh in the beginning though. It's kind of weird. It's kind of a strange thing where you have like that, you know, that kind of exactly what I was saying of that kind of that guy that talks the way that he talks of Citizen Kane or Charles Foster Kane's life. Yeah. And you get everything. Mm-hmm. You get his entire life and then you then proceed to watch it. Yes. Kind of weird. Yeah, it is because like you're almost doubling you, down on yeah, the you, story. <laughs> exactly, because you literally get like, oh, he had an affair with his wife, and then mm-hmm. like, and then you see the affair, and then yeah. and then you know they talk about everything, and and then and then you actually just go and watch it. And it's just kind of like an odd thing. I, I feel like the movie could definitely do without that. Yeah, I mean, personally. it's it's not like it's a a very go, long it, film. It's, like no. it's two hours like yeah. on the dot, and so that it's goes like, on for a while. Yeah, like, it's a good 10 minutes Yeah, of and you're it. just like, okay, is this what the movie is? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why, like, it seems like we're kind of just talking about the bad first just to get it out of the way. Well, like I, that, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, I, I can agree. Like, that is something where it's like, it's a little exposition heavy in the beginning. I feel like you, while I do like the idea of the newspaper reels, you probably could have cut that whole thing out and then just started with yeah. Mr. Thompson going to try and figure out what the last words meant. Right. Yeah. I want to, I want to save my con, like my actual cons, the things that I didn't love for the end, just because it leads into like what my, my theme is and okay. like what I, what, what I take away from it. Well, let's go into the good. So the good though, cause mm-hmm. there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Orson Welles is great. I, I, I fucking... I would I, imagine this is probably your first seeing of him, besides no. Optimus Prime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen him in a couple other things. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I mainly knew him from War of the Worlds, but... Right, yeah. That's where I was like, oh my god, like he's iconic from that. But I mean, for his directorial debut, and I would imagine probably his on-screen acting debut, he was amazing. Like, I, I was like... Anytime that he talked, I was just like baffled i was like i I need him to be on the screen entirely for the rest yeah, of this film it was kind of strange because he 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 was in theater he was mm-hmm. like a theater actor he studied shakespeare like all of his life too so it's like he he already knew like that entire dialogue and like the way to set up a story and like how to explain everything and talk throughout everything yeah so he knew what he was doing in that aspect before he even stepped onto the screen right so he Exactly. It's kind of like, oh, it's a, it's it is technically a, de- a directorial debut, but it, he's not like completely new. Like he's mm. he's been mm-hmm. in the theater and movie world. Yeah. So he obviously has like some knowledge at this point because you can tell. Yeah. Th- there. This this is obviously not somebody who has no clue what they're doing. Exactly. And I mean, the the thing that I really was impressed with the most was the camera work. Yeah, there was a lot of really, really great stuff, like specifically when you're first introduced to Susan and like you go to like her club and when it's like pouring down rain and how like the overhead shot comes off. And for us, we can tell that that's like a model, but the way that he set it up is like it looks realistic. It looks very Wes Anderson style where it's like it's a model, but like you're using the camera to make it look like it's actually a place and then going through the upper window and then actually getting like an overhead shot right. to her talking and then, and then going through the window mm-hmm. there's like that that dissolve fade that then leads through the window and yeah. i'm like i'm like listen for, for to today's standards that still looks pretty fucking good. oh absolutely <laughs> like the the snow globe shot too like right when he actually and then you see the reflection away. it's great it is it does it looks even, really good even some small stuff like when 
when they're celebrating the fact that like, hey, they took over, what was it, like the Charleston like newspaper? Right, yeah. And they're having like all the girls dancing and you can actually see like Leland and Mr. Bernstein talking and then in the reflection behind them is Kane dancing. Dancing, yeah. And it's like, it's just such a subtle little trick that nobody thought of at that time. Well, no, because the, so the main thing about this movie that everybody was like, oh my God, this is, this is groundbreaking mm-hmm. was the simple fact that everything was in focus. Yeah. So like traditionally movies prior to this there were a few films that that did have it a little bit but this movie like really put it in kind of like the atmosphere of of filmmaking Mm -hmm. is everything in focus because most of the films at least prior to this was you know you would have somebody close up Mm -hmm. and then the background would be blurred out because of how cameras work that that shallow depth of field and then you know, they would say their piece or whatever, and then if somebody in the background was going to talk, then it would focus to them, and then the other person would get blurred out. But this movie, everything is in focus. The yeah. main thing that I noticed that I thought was really smart was when you see Charles as a child running around outside in the window. Mm-hmm. So there's a really clever shot mm-hmm. of him outside in the snow playing with his um uh, sled. Yeah. And... Then the camera makes its way backwards through the house window and then walks with his mother and father and the guy who's like selling him basically. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and then goes over the table, mm-hmm. which is never like prior to this, it wasn't really done very often where the camera is literally going around like straight through objects basically. Yeah. And then... Her sitting at the table and signing the signing the paper, the father standing to the left talking about, I want my son. And then you see him, you see Charles through the frame of the window still outside playing. And it's really smart. It's clever on, on every aspect because mm-hmm. it's like he's out there being a kid, doing his thing, having no idea that his life's about to change dramatically. So he's just out there playing and then on the inside, it, they're like talking about literally get like you know what his future is going to be yeah it's really clever and in and and it all comes down to everything is in focus mm-hmm. so you can see everything happening at once and it feels like a play which is why i think that theater background really helped a lot exactly i mean another thing too that i was just like i i was jaw dropped by for the time was the use of practical effects like orson wells yeah the makeup the makeup is amazing. Like the 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 time frame that this movie came out, it shouldn't have been a thing. Like it, it, nobody would have thought about that because as you're going through like the life of Kane and like seeing him like through different phases of his life, you know, you get like the the early age when like he's 21 and like you see how Orson Welles actually looks. And then you fast forward and you get like the story where it's like, you know, when he's going with Emily to the press conference, like for him to become governor and you can physically see the age difference. Right. Yeah. And I think it was just amazing. Like, because the entire time it's Orson Welles, like that's him, but like the practical effects of the makeup actually makes him look like he's aged 50 years. And they did that the same thing too, for like everybody like Susan. I mean, the only one that I think was a little wonky was Leland when you, when um, Thompson goes to like 
interview him and he's just got the glasses and the visor yeah. and it's like okay you, sitting in like a random you, room you <laughs> might have ran out of makeup by then <laughs> <laughs> so let's just throw some stuff on there but everybody else looks like they've aged yeah and i thought that was incredible because you just didn't see that like right. you would just get an older person at that point and be like ah yeah. well this is him it's clever and it it almost makes you question if that's still him yeah. like he looks different because they because it's all it, they, they there's so much attention to detail like mm. they they push his hairline back further exactly. and further as he's getting older and his mustache starts growing in and then and then they start putting the gray streaks in it so you're like is that still him <laughs> yeah it is but yeah. he's now 30 years older oh okay and, mm-hmm. it, and, it, and it all works yeah it's it's really amazing like i was again i i just couldn't understand how he did it at that time yeah the one one other thing that i was really really impressed with was some of the set designs mm-hmm. when uh when he buys or when he actually builds the opera house mm-hmm. and the scene where his wife is singing and like learning how to sing and everything is so chaotic and everything's going around her and they're like doing her makeup and people are running back and forth trying to build a set mm-hmm. and then they they slowly pull out and then you just see just how beautiful i wish this movie was in color yeah because i think it adds to it that it's in black and gray i think it does but i also would really like to see the the real colors of this like when he um is when he's at his office i believe and I think it's right after the campaign and the whole, I think it's right after he lost and he's got, uh, all of the, there's like confetti and, yes. and balloons mm-hmm. everywhere and he's in his office and he's kind of like kicking them around and just kind of like moping in his sadness. I was like, this almost feels like it could have been really, really beautiful with like the pastels mm-hmm. of, of like the party gear and all that. That could have been really cool to see in color. Um, but Obviously, it's in black and white, so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think but the set designs to... are still really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, another thing, too, that like I found that was really, really great, honestly, was um, the lighting in this film. The light, dude, the open... for, for being black and gray. Yeah. Um, it, it's very interesting, too, because like, this will be like part of my theme like later on, but like I really enjoyed the fact that for Thompson, you don't ever see his face. Like The way that he positioned the lighting... Where a lot of the people that, like, like Thompson and, like, his whole crew for, like, the newspaper company, you don't see their face. And it kind of adds, like, this subtle, like, you know, unknown feeling to it because you don't see them. And you, you almost subconsciously know that, like, they're not the main focus of the story. And I, I really liked that for it. But, like, the lighting itself was just incredible like you could really feel like the dark blackness of certain spots and it really helped with like how Kane was feeling at the time too where it's just scenes of him just like that moping around because he lost the campaign and he's just sitting in like almost darkness with like a small light shining through yeah especially when the reporters like it's like the opening scene of the reporters sit in their office Mm -hmm. and the window is just there's like three windows above their heads yeah. and the light is just pouring in and you can, you can't even really see them because it's just <laughs> so much light mm-hmm. coming in and then they're all in this blackness. It's like, okay, yeah, no, you, you, you understand like, you know, uh, contrast yeah. heavily <laughs> and it's very, very beautiful, especially mm-hmm. for a black and white film. It's like Macbeth, the 2022, 2021 very beautiful. Yes. For being black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really impressed with the amount of lighting. Because I think at the end of the day, that's really what you... When it comes to like cinematography in black and white, you kind of have to. 
rely on lighting for everything because yeah. at that point all you're just getting is different shades of gray when it comes to colors so you need to have strong lighting and strong understanding of lighting in a black and gray film in order to get uh, a really in order to get praised for the cinematography yeah exactly like you gotta have like a very uh, a very wide range of hues because i mean especially too thinking that like i mean today at least like anybody that does a black and white film you're gonna view it in natural colors and then to transfer it to black and gray you're you're not always thinking like when you're sitting there like watching the camera as everybody's acting thinking like, okay, this light's going to be a big factor or this light's going to be a big factor to when it becomes black and gray. Yeah. So kudos. Yeah. What about the, uh, the, I was blown away by the one shot of the put the slow push into the photograph of all of the men. Yeah. And then it pushes into that photo and then Charles walks through Mm -hmm. the scene and then all the guys get up. It was was like, what? It was, it was, (laughs) it was the, Best transition, like editing, that I could have seen at this time. Yeah, it, it was, was incredible. So good. <laughs> I was like, "What? This is insane!" <laughs> it's so good. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. It's it's really impressive editing and camera work uh, from everybody. And I mean, I guess that really comes down to like or- Orson Welles mm-hmm. being a fucking uh, a tyrant and just mm-hmm. being like OCD and a perfectionist. And not allowing anybody else. Like, it was so rare because they literally, the studio wanted him to make the movie. Yeah. And then he was like, okay, fine. Nobody's allowed on my set except for who I allow. <laughs> and then they were trying to get people to, like, sneak onto the set to see what was going on. And they and nobody ever got to really see what was happening. Mm-hmm. So Orson Welles had complete, complete creative control. Yeah, which is very unheard of at the right. time. Even and today, even now, yeah, never. <laughs> Nobody has complete control unless you're doing like an indie film. Yeah, I feel like you have very rare exceptions to the rule to in today's modern filmmaking when it comes to uh I, I apparently A24 is pretty good mm-hmm. with I would imagine so. Yeah, apparently they're pretty good with allowing their directors and writers to kind of do what they want to do. Um obviously they are at the end of the day like going to be the ones who officially say what's in the movie and what's not but I, I've, I've heard from the directors that you know that have worked there that apparently a24 is really really good to work with with when it comes to that type of stuff and that's why we like them which so much. is nice yeah it's really nice because obviously they make some out there films so i like to see uh you guys giving creative control that's cool mm-hmm. i also really like too the um i don't know if you noticed it but like both kind of like montages with like his wives of emily and susan um there's like a very because it it all kind of like revolves around like the newspaper business and there's this subtle way that like he kind of transitions time using newspapers where you have like uh you have Kane and you have Emily like sitting down to have dinner and they're just so lovey-dovey and then it almost kind of like swipes forward like you would with like a newspaper where it's like it's swiping to the next print and it just continuously is showing that, like, over time, like, their marriage is falling apart and, like, they just kind of, like, have disdain for each other. Yeah. And then the same thing, too, with when he's with Susan and it showcases, like, her going over and over, like, being the opera performer. And I honestly didn't think that she was that bad until I heard her hit the high notes. And <laughs> I was like, okay, she's a little bad. <laughs> but the way that he did it, too, where it's, like, it's kind of like this light spinning 
as if again the newspaper reels were like coming off the print right and i thought that was like really interesting too like yeah. there it's just cinematography stuff that like he did that you wouldn't think anybody would use at the time mm-hmm. yeah yeah i would say that this movie's ahead of its time mm-hmm. when it was released i think that if you haven't seen citizen kane and you've heard people literally call it the greatest film ever and you watched it today you'd probably be underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. It it's is. made very well and it's not it's it's made really well but it's not going to I don't think it's going to like blow you away. At this point no. At this point of like what you know where we are in films, maybe back in the 40s, I get it, but to today's standards it holds up to today's standards oh, yeah, of absolutely. of being really really well made and not feeling dated. But for the for the greatest, you know, for possibly people calling it the greatest film ever made, I feel like people have these expectations going in of like, oh my god, I'm gonna be completely blown away, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna get transported to a different dimension, <laughs> and it's just, I'm gonna forget about my wife and kids and just <laughs> fall in love with Citizen Kane. It, it, it's just, it, I don't think it's that. Yeah, I, I I don't know how many more like if you have any more good things to say about that. Um, cause it, it, that kind of leads into like one of my bad things Yeah, is again, it kind of feels like a Forrest Gump Titanic thing for me where it's like all my life I've been hearing like, oh no, it's a great movie. It's the best. Like it's, it's one of the best films ever made. It is the best film ever made. And I always kind of go in with that with like a grain of salt. Cause it's like, you've set up such a high bar for me and it's just not like, it's great. It's not that great. <laughs> like it's it's great. It's, it's good. It's just it. I wouldn't say it's my favorite film ever made. No, and I don't think it's the greatest film ever made. Exactly. I don't think there. I don't think there is such thing as the greatest film ever mm-hmm. made. There's close. Right. There's things that are close, right. but but at the end of the day, it's fully subjective. Mm-hmm. And you might watch you. You know, you as the viewer or the listener could end, end up sitting down and say, "Fine, I'm going to give Citizen Kane a. Uh, finally, I'm going to give it a watch." And you could walk away from it kind of bored. Mm-hmm. you're like i'm just watching this guy's life <laughs> it's interesting though mm-hmm. it, you know yeah the way that they set it up is very nice like yeah. going flashbacks it like it, it was slightly confusing the first one where it's like oh how did we get to like like kane at this point right but once you kind of got into the rhythm of it and you understood that like each person that thompson is going to see is somebody that's going to tell him about his life like that was interesting that yeah. was good, like how they used the flashbacks to kind of tell the story. Yeah. But I mean, I think a big thing too is while I praise Orson Welles' acting, there are people that fall short. In oh, this for sure. Yeah. And that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Yeah. Like specifically, you know, Agnes Moorhead didn't really buy her as the mom. Um, she had like a couple of lines in the film, but like she just kind of felt stale to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like Joseph Cotton, eh, as Leland. <laughs> like he's okay, but like you know when he's being interviewed and he's like, "Hey, you got a cigar?" I was just kind of like, "Ah, eh, you're a little slapsticky, man." He's kind of hammy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's, there's definitely like, again, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. For the most part, mostly people speak how people normally speak, but you have like one or two characters that are a little hammy, a little. Yeah. Like, eh, it's like, eh, all right, this is this is what's showing that it was released in the 40s. <laughs> yeah. Something that was bugging me too. Do you know why his parents sold him? Because that was messing with me the entire film. Money, baby. 
Yeah, but like, how do you like? Is that a thing? Like, in the forties, you could just like be like, "Hey, I need money. Here's my kid. Here's my child." (laughs) But he also got a trust fund out of it. I actually don't really know. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess that kind of like, I don't know. To me, that that kind of like, if if somebody knows, please tell us because I really am curious. Orson Welles. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. (laughs) From the grave, please. Um, but I don't know. It kind of like, it kind of made a little bit of like this fantasy world then. Mm-hmm. where the whole movie is based in reality. Yeah, yeah. All right, so my gripe with the film mm-hmm. is that... What's his name? The reporter's name that's going around? Thompson? Thompson, yeah. So Thompson is trying to go around to find what the la- what what the meaning of Rosebud means. Mm-hmm. And I do kind of feel like the movie doesn't exactly know what it's trying to do because well i think that's just orson wells too well you have this you have a reporter going around from person to person saying what does rosebud mean what does rosebud mean i'm trying to figure this out Mm -hmm. and then it leads into a flashback of just kind of generally what their relationship is to kane Mm mm-hmm and those flashbacks never get you any closer to the meaning of Rosebud. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's never anything in any of those flashbacks, besides technically one, that <laughs> that is getting you any closer to finding out what Rosebud is. And it kind of feels like that plot point of him going around kind of gets put on the back burner. Like, that's not really what the main point of the film is, mm-hmm. but it kind of is at the it, same it, time. It is. Because, again, you're just kind of going through his life, seeing him become, you know, become a millionaire, uh, and then, you know, have a, have an affair, and then run for governor, and blah, 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 blah. You have, like, all of that. Mm-hmm. But then every once in a while, you just have Thompson show up and be like, hey, can I can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah. And it's just like, okay, I'm trying to figure out what Rosebud means. And then mm. we just go back to another, you know, 25, 30 minutes of just his life again. I and get it, it. And it has no, and it just doesn't get me any closer. I, you kind of forget mm-hmm. that we're trying to figure out what Rosebud <laughs> means. Yeah. You're just more infatuated with his life at right. that point. So I feel like there's something is, it's slightly unbalanced mm. there. Well, I kind of feel like that too is because the way that Orson Welles like worked as a director was he kind of like made everything up on the spot. Like, he kind of had, like, a general idea and then kind of just rolled and see what came through. Maybe. Maybe that maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I get it. So then that kind of leads me into my second con, which is kind of the same thing. But you finally get the reveal of what Rosebud is. Mm-hmm. And it's his childhood sled. Spoiler. <laughs> and it's kind of just, eh? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I, I, I don't know. It felt so underwhelming to me the first time that I mm-hmm. watched it. And then the second time, this time watching it, I was like, I know what it is. I'm prepared for it. Yeah. Let me let me watch this movie and see if it if it all comes like if it full all circle. comes. Yeah. Full circle for me now. And what the one major theme that I took away from it, I guess it does. But it does mm-hmm. feel underwhelming for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you felt when you saw the name printed so, on the sled, and then it got thrown into the furnace. I I've known for years and years now that like the sleigh was named Rosebud, and that's like what it like that was the whole big thing. But like watching this, it it was kind of weird seeing where it's like 
nothing matches up. Like, I, I, by the end of it, I understood the meaning. I understood the metaphor for it. But like, like you said, you don't get any pieces put to the puzzle until that point. And I guess that there's, I mean, literally Thompson says that he's like, I, one word can never, what does he say is like, not going to define an entire man's life or something like that. It's like, okay, yeah. So then why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, is my question then. Okay, so, like, then what's the point of you even existing? Mm-hmm. So that's my problem with it. But I, so the the main theme that I took away from it is basically just innocence, the loss of innocence, yeah. the loss of, like, being a child, and then him get once he got sold and and whatnot, and then he, and then he becomes this giant newspaper mogul, he lost himself. Yeah, it, it is... And then yearning for a simpler time. Right. And then when he dies that were, you know, moments before his death, he's just looking at that snow globe, which is reminding him of what we originally saw of him playing out in the snow with the sled. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so bear with me here. I, I kind of, I, I think I know where I'm going with this. A theme that I took away from this too, besides some obvious ones, like you have obviously like the, the idea of being lonely solitude betrayal because like he was betrayed by his parents he was betrayed by leland um he was kind of betrayed by susan who left him kind of yeah um and and this movie is kind of like a metaphor for materialism right because at the end he's got just billions of things yes (laughs) but nobody to share it with right and i almost feel like Orson Welles didn't know it at the time, but this was kind of like an autobiography to himself. And by that, I mean, like, he he was this man who was 26 years old and decided to make this masterpiece and tell, like, the story about, like, a man who kind of came from essentially nothing and, like, made himself somebody and then in the end, like, lost himself to all of it and just couldn't get his youth back like couldn't get his life back and in a sense that kind of is like how Orson Welles is like he he kind of strived for this whole thing of creating a masterpiece and he said it in like multiple interviews after wrote or uh, after Citizen Kane came out where it's like this movie is a blessing and a curse because yes I've made such an amazing film but I'll never be able to capture the same lightning in a bottle I feel like and that was always something that he was kind of trying to chase and with that it also kind of leads into this idea that Kane is never satisfied. Like, he's always needing something more. Like, he's got the newspaper company. It's going great. He needs to steal the people from the other newspaper company. That newspaper company is amazing. He's he's the best build company in, in, like, the world almost. I need to run for governor. That's not working out. I, I have a wife. I'm, I'm married now. She's not working out. I need to find somebody else. I need to put my life into, like, something else. So, like, he's never satisfied with just yeah. having, like, one thing. It's kind of like a 1940s version of Daniel Plainview. Kind of. And that's where, like, my absolute favorite shot in the film kind of plays in, too, where at the end when he walks out of, like, the room after doing a very hilarious like slapstick thing of just destroying the <laughs> yeah, room yeah. after Susan leaves him and he walks out and like, <laughs> sees all of like the people that are there yeah. and he walks past that mirror and right. it's like just an endless amount of them. Yes. And it's such a great shot because it, it almost metaphorically reflects 
all of the different types of Kane that he was trying to be. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I took away. Yeah. I I agree entirely. Um, there's a lot to it, but at the same time, there's not. Yeah. Like, this movie has a lot that you can unpack, but at the same time, it also f- somehow manages to feel slightly hollow. Yeah. Personally, at least how I, you know, how, how me watching it twice, maybe this movie might age. Like, the older that I get, I might appreciate it more, but I appreciate everything that it's done and, 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 that, and that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it paved the way for so many things. Like, movies were never the same after this, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. So... Uh, I I can appreciate it, but I don't think that it's the greatest movie ever made. No, I do give it. I feel I feel as a, a decent eight out of ten. I'm giving I I want to say eight point five crazy claps out of ten. Yeah, because man, he was going in when nobody yeah. else was clapping for Susan. Yeah, and I and don't think just... I don't think anybody understood that. Um, there was that Shia LaBeouf mm-hmm. uh thing. Uh, there was like a weird video. What was it called? I think it was called like. Was it the actual, just do it? No, no, no. It was like actual actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> and it's like people performing like this weird thing about Shia LaBeouf. And then he's sitting in the theater by himself. And then he just starts standing up. He's just like like menacingly <laughs> clapping. Yeah. I'm like, that's a Citizen Kane reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so I liked it. Yeah. It's a good movie. It it's, is. It's a very good movie. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think that it's worth watching for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, then I got a recommendation. Okay. Has nothing to do with Citizen Kane. Um, so, I, I've kind of, like, since 15, I've been working out. Um, I've tried to keep, like, my body in, like, a decent shape. Um, I What shape is it now? It's round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More oval Out of than all anything. the shapes, what <laughs> are we... Uh... <laughs> no, like, um, I ended up, like, you know, I, I started going to the gym, like, the actual gym, not working from at home. Um, probably, like, three years ago. And then COVID hit, and then I stopped going to the gym, and then I started doing home workout again. And then... You past... recommended the... Uh, yeah, yeah, the Gorilla Bow, yeah, which yeah. actually worked pretty well. But um, I started, like, three months ago, I started going back to the gym again. And I think one of the biggest things that, like, I changed up from last time, besides going more frequently, um, is doing, like, a, a bit of a stricter diet. Like, I've, I've cut out, like, a lot of, like, junk food and soda and, like, just stuck to, like water and like a lot of protein stuff and a lot of egg whites boy i'm i'm eating like five eggs a day at this point yeah and i'm having like five meals a day um which is kind of recommended but you got to watch like how you do it and a big part of that too was a youtuber that i watch called gravity transformation and it was made by this guy uh max posternak um very in shape guy and what i like about like his videos is he has a lot he has like a good like hundred and something videos just specifically to like one body part or like what you should be doing pre-workout what you should be doing post-workout um what things you should really be putting into your body to like really maximize what you're doing and what i like the most about it is that he's actually breaking down the science of this is full-on anatomy this is why this works this is why you should be eating bananas and oatmeal before your workout and then eating like meat and proteins after it mm. so he he's kind of like helped me a lot with like figuring out what i want to do to like get in the shape that i want to be in right because still that thing six months before my wedding i want to be fucking jacked <laughs> <laughs> i'll i'll lose it all afterwards but i want to be ripped as fuck beforehand <laughs> all right well i hope that works out for you zach well thank you 
Great. Okay. You gonna ask me what we're doing next, asshole, or what? No. All right. Well, yeah. Bye, <laughs> Just everybody. cut it right here. <laughs> what do you want to do, Frank? So, uh, as for our film discussion, I would like to do films that tackle the subject of humanity versus technology. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think there's I think there's a lot to be said. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm excited to do it. Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Now, Frank, it's a cinch. I'll die richer than I was born. <laughs>